Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you hey, enjoy Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey, and Happy New Year. God bless you. And listen, I believe you're going to have the greatest year of your life in Jesus' name. And uh, listen, Pastor Adam Burt here, and I, I, I want to uh, let you know that, hey, here at Every Nation New Jersey, we're actually heading into a week of prayer and fasting. See, it's our firm belief that, that God is a God who deserves our first and our best. And so God, God, he gets the first of our week, and that's why we go to church uh, on Sunday. He, he gets, uh, man, the, the, the first of our day that, uh, that I believe the first thing you should do is get into prayer and the word first thing in the morning. And as well, um, we want to give him the first month of our year, and so we dedicate uh, a week in January uh, of prayer and fasting to seek God's face uh, and to pray and worship Him. And so, uh, um, listen. Uh, during the holiday, I had a chance. I actually read a book uh, on prayer. Uh, it was called this. It was. It says, "Praying like monks and living like fools." Praying like monks and living like fools. Kind of an odd title, but it was an excellent book, and it was fascinating. You know, in the book, the author, he tells a very personal story. Uh, is His brother-in-law, Van, was a young man, uh, you know, in his early 30s, and in Van, uh, he was experiencing some, some horrific uh, indigestion, and so he goes to a local clinic to get some more intense antacids, and when he goes, um, uh, the clinic, they, they find out this man is actually uh, uh, bleeding through his aorta. Like he's internally, slowly, uh, but surely bleeding to death. So they immediately, they call the ambulance. They, they rush him uh, to the, the, the finest uh, uh, cardiac hospital they had in Tennessee. And so they went there. They, they put one of their top surgeons on him. And, and when they examined Van, they found out there was only uh, one procedure they could do. It was an extremely risky procedure. In fact, no one in that hospital had ever survived the procedure. But when your odds are either you're going to surely die or this may work, okay? So they, they call Van's family all in. They said, listen, he's probably not going to pull through this. And um, I'll just lift all the suspense out of it. Uh, Van uh, wound up surviving. He's the only person that had ever survived this surgery. And now if I could, if I could take you inside the actual surgery. And this is as the, the surgeon describes it. The, after about five hours, the surgeon grew frustrated. He's trying to locate the hole in Van's aorta and he, he can't do it. And finally, after five hours, he just gives up and, and he declared uh, Van uh, to, to be deceased. And before he could walk away from the body, a nursing student was really just there observing the surgery she begins to audibly pray for both Van and the surgeon. The surgeon immediately, he whips back and he looks into Van's chest cavity and there he locates the hole in his aorta. He repairs the hole and, and then he he's, uh, comes running out uh, into the waiting room to tell with tear-filled eyes uh, the story of how God uh, made a miracle and saved Van's life, right? Uh, and and I, I want to tell you, in our week of prayer and fasting, we actually uh, we have a, a theme, and that's miracles. We have a, a little handbook that you can just uh, you can go to our website encnj.org, and you can uh, pick up a digital copy of one of these if you'd like to join us in this week of prayer and fasting. But 
It's going to be a little guide that gives uh, daily devotionals uh, and whatnot. Uh, we also are we have a prayer call. Uh, once again, the, the information will be on our website, encnj.org. Uh, we're going to have morning and evening prayer uh, throughout uh, the week from, uh, I believe it's uh, January 5th uh, through the 13th. And so, um, uh, quick question here before we get into dive into the Bible. Uh, uh, how many of you uh, pray too much? You know, in, in 20 years of ministry, I've never had somebody raise your hand. Yes, pastor, I pray too much. Uh, how many would admit, I, I need to pray more? <laughs> well, uh, then that's probably all of us. And so this is your great opportunity to jump in and join us in a week uh, of prayer and fasting. And so um, I heard an amazing uh, statistic, you know, that Gallup did a poll and they actually said this, you know, that, that people pray more than we realize. In fact, Gallup, the, the poll revealed this, that, that more people will pray uh, in an average week than will exercise, than will drive, than will have sex, than will even go to work, right? And so, so people pray. Uh, but, but here's what I, I would say this. If you think about it, you shouldn't be that surprised because we live in a Genesis 3, a broken world. And, and when that world, that brokenness of our world presses on us as humanity, doesn't it press us down to our knees? Like, in fact, uh, didn't we just this past week, if uh, well, there was a Monday night football game, it was the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Buffalo Bills, and, and there was a, a, a safety for the Buffalo Bills. He came up at DeMar Hamlin, and he made a hit on one of the Bengals players, popped up, and before, just as soon as he popped up, he dropped to the earth, and he went into cardiac arrest. It was as, as, as uh, America is watching this take place before our eyes, the, the bills, uh, as the, 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 the doctors come trying to revive him, uh, and I, I believe we have an image of this, the Buffalo Bills players surrounded their teammate, DeMar Hamlin. They took a knee and they began to pray. They began to cry out to God. And so, listen, I, I know that there's a number of people that in our day-to-day -day life, we, we're either uh, indifferent or, or, or just don't care at all, uh, uh, is there a God or not? But when life presses us, man, when you peel back the facade of, of the, that, that we're in control, of the, where we can have certainty, uh, you know what tends to happen? When we feel that insecurity and life press us, it, it forces us to look upward and, and stirs hope that there's a, a God up there that's loving and powerful. And I want to tell you this, he is. In fact, uh, in our, in our um, uh, Bible reading, we, we've been in the, the book of Revelation. And, and as we were in the book of Revelation, it was funny. It was, I found this so uh, fascinating slash odd. You know that, that it says at the end of time, when Jesus returns, um, he's, he's called faithful and true. Isn't that odd? Like, like uh, he's not called mighty and strong, though he is. He's not called holy and just, though he is. He's called faithful and and true. And the reason is that man, when life presses you, man, you can look upward and know that there's a faithful, true God who hears our prayers. And so um, I, I want to take a pre uh, pastoral approach uh, to our time in the Word of God today. And, um, and here's what I mean by that. Um, I, my, my hope is today that I could help instill a rhythm in your life of prayer. Something that's simple, but you can be faithful and consistent in. And this just the simple activity that I want to show you today, I believe can be powerful to change your life and the world around you. 
All right. And so uh, my, my simple message uh, here today is this. Three, two, one, pray. Three, two, one, pray. It's the title of my message and it's the rhythm I want you to establish. And, and it looks like this. Uh, three. What are three things that you're thankful for today? Uh, two. Uh, what are two people that you can encourage today? And then one. Who is one lost person uh, in your world that you can pray for today? Three, two, one, pray. Let's, let's break this down and take a look at it, uh, if we could. Uh, so three things. Uh, number one is this. Three things you're thankful for today. And so I had this, uh, as we're approaching tax season, it's funny, I'm getting uh, all my, my tax, uh, you know, my, my 501c3 and uh, giving to charity uh, uh, records are, are being given back to me. And I got one back from the Red Cross, and it was just a standard type letter. And, but, but in the standard type letter, when I opened it up, there was a yellow handwritten sticky note on it. And, and I, I believe I, it was so startling to me, uh, I took a picture of it. And so it should be coming up on the screen. And, and here's what it said. Adam, I hope all is well. Thanks a million for your generous donation last year. This is for tax pur purposes. See you soon. Jesus! Exclamation points. <laughs> I'm like, what? Is someone jacking with me here or what? I mean, and then it says, see you soon? I'm like, am I going to die? You know? <laughs> and they come to find out it was my buddy Jesus uh, from the gym I work at. And, uh, and so he does some work with the, the Red Cross. So anyways, that's that. But, but, but here's what we know. Thanksgiving is powerful. Like, like the scripture would say this, that, that Thanksgiving, it is the starting point or the doorway into the very presence of God. And in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. It's, uh, the psalmist says it like this in Psalm 104. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Like, like the entranceway, the doorway uh, uh, to the presence of God is thanksgiving. Uh, how about this, that um, thanksgiving, it's about your good and not God's. It's funny, God's continually telling us to give thanks, right? But it's, it's not for his good, like he's some insecure, you better say thank you to me. No, that rather it's for your good. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. <laughs> See, it's about, it's about your good and not God's good. In fact, I love when science and research lines up with the word of God, that, that they actually did uh, uh, science, uh, did all this research on the power of being thankful or, or, or gratitude. And they did this study and they, they had people just do a gratitude journal for, for a, a series of time. And it just listed like five things they were thankful for on a daily basis. And get this, all the variables for human flourishing skyrocketed. Everything from mental health uh, to physical health to sleep patterns uh, to your happiness, all of it skyrocketed. Why? Because we took time to be grateful for things in our life. Uh, another researcher you may have heard of, uh, her name is Brene Brown. She's a researcher slash author. And it was funny, in her research, she entered into the researching thinking that joy led to gratitude. But, but after uh, months and months of research, she realized this. She had it in a, a wrong. It was actually flipped. Uh, that gratitude actually leads to joy. 
Uh, gratitude leads to joy. And so as we're thankful, deliberately choose to be grateful for things, how about this, man? Our joy begins to skyrocket. And the scripture would say this, man, the joy of the Lord, it is our strength. In fact, um, the prophet Daniel, if you're familiar with Daniel in your Bible, um, he, he, he lived through difficult, difficult circumstances. Like uh, the Babylonians came in, uh, they, they destroyed his nation, they captured him, and then enslaved him uh, in Babylon. Uh, they, they made him uh, actually a eunuch. Please don't make me explain what that is. It's not a zodiac sign, okay? And, and so uh, uh, horrific circumstances. Yet through it all, Daniel always uh, rose to the top of prominence uh, and power. Uh, one time they had uh, uh, some of the Babylonians, they were, they were trying to uh, uh, trick him and get him into trouble. And so in Daniel 6, uh, verse uh, 10, we'll read about it. It's actually Daniel has just received his death sentence and is about to be thrown into the lion's dead. What will Daniel do? What would you do um, if you knew, uh, man, you had a death sentence and were going to be thrown to lions? Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. And listen, I read that and I'm like, he gave thanks for what? For what? And here's what Daniel had done. He had trained himself to have what, what I call a bountiful eye, like he was able to fight, to see uh, in the midst of very horrific circumstances, to fight, to see all that's good around him. Why? Because great, gratitude precedes joy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so gratitude that led to joy is the very thing that got him up uh, out of that lion's den. Can I contrast this with the sin of Eve? Remember Adam and Eve, uh, Genesis 1 and 2, and God gives them everything there is except for one thing, the tree of the knowledge of uh, good and evil. And what happens? Like, despite the fact Eve had everything there was, uh, she fixated on the one thing she couldn't have. And that one thing that she, she couldn't have, she reached for, and it messed up everything. It is the, the sin uh, of Eve. Uh, in fact, uh, in Ephesians 5, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says this, giving thanks always and, get this, for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like I would submit to you that there's just a billion little kindnesses of God that we're just blind and oblivious to and we don't give thanks. So um, uh, maybe this is just me. Don't judge me, all right? But, but, but uh, I, I'm not always my most godly self when I'm driving. But um, you know, uh, occasionally, you know, there's someone that wants to turn into your lane or they're merging on and you're just kind and gracious and you're like, go ahead. And you, you allow the person to go in. And as they're driving in front of you, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for the wave, right? Thanks, buddy. Right? To the wave. That's all you want. <laughs> the wave. And, and I'm amazed at how many people just can't take a moment and give the wave. Um, uh, in, in fact, uh, but how much more God? Like, like the, the thousands of, of little gifts in acts of kindness that God gives you, and yet we can't take a moment to give God the wave, to look up, say, God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, right? Uh, in, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray, and as they do, they say, uh, see a lame beggar uh, at the temple gate. 
this, uh, this, uh, this poor beggar uh, had been lame uh, from birth. And, and Peter and John, they say these famous words, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And, and here's, I want to read to you uh, what happens in, in Acts chapter 3, verse 8. It says this, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And so here's what I, I need you to get a picture of this. That do you know in the temple that there would have been hundreds and hundreds of people uh, in the temple, but but only one was giving thanks for the very simple act of walking. See, it was that man that that, that the, the veil had been lifted off of his eyes, and he realized this is that 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 walking is not a right; it's a gift from Almighty God, and we should stop and give thanks. Like um, uh, there's there's been a, a number of people that have had uh, very difficult seasons of poor health uh, in our church, um, and do you know what? Every single one of those people, you know what they know? They know that that health uh, is is not a right, but it's a gift from Almighty God. And so if you're healthy this morning, if there's no pain in your body this morning, you should just take a moment right now, give God the wave, and say, God, thank you, thank you for your kindness and your goodness. Man, the, the great prophet, Denzel Washington, I think we got an image of him. You can Google this later. It's fascinating. You know, he gave the commencement speech back in 2015 for Dillard University. And it was such an amazing speech. I, I, I recommend it for sure. I'm going to give you a little snippet of it now. But Denzel, he, as he's, he's, he's these hungry uh, graduating students, they're like, hey, like, give us some of your wisdom, Denzel. And Denzel, he, he's giving them kind of like his top 10 list of things. And he says, number one, the first thing is you put God first. You put God first. And then he tells this fascinating story as a young man. He was just failing out of school, failing in life. And he wound up, uh, he was waiting for his mom at his mom's beauty parlor. And there, underneath a hairdryer, this, this, this elderly woman from across the beauty parlor looks at Den, young Denzel and she says, Give me a pen and paper. I have a prophecy for this young man. And she begins to pen out. She says, You are going to travel the world. God is going to use you. You're going to speak to millions of people. And he says that was a life-changing moment for him. And you know what? He says, I've put God first. I have traveled the world. I have spoke to millions of people, right? But then, but here's, here's kind of the crescendo on it, and it'll lead us to where we are today, is he says this. He says, and, and another thing you should do if you want to succeed, he says, leave your slippers underneath your bed. And people are like, what? And he says, yes. So the first thing you do when you get out of, out of bed is you get down on your knees to grab those slippers. And he says, while you're down there, he says, you better take a minute on those knees and give thanks to God. Right? He got it. James chapter 1, verse 17, uh, the Lord's brother says this, that every good and perfect gift is from above. In other words, is anything good in your life? Is anything right? Is anything sweet? That's nothing but a gift from uh, your heavenly Father. And so you need to look upwards, say, God, thank you. Thank you. What are three things you're thankful for today? Um, and then there's a two, sorry, right? Three, two, one, pray. Uh, two, what are, uh, two are two people that you'll encourage today. Two people you will encourage today. You know, that word encourage, uh, it, it's the word, it means to, to give strength or to give courage. And um, I love what it says in Hebrews 3, verse 13. Uh, Hebrews 3, 13 says this, But encourage 
one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so, so did you catch that? Like the author of Hebrews, like, hey, anytime it's today, you need to encourage somebody. And I looked on my watch today, and I'm like, okay, I need to encourage you. And so um, uh, let me share the story of a, a American Olympic athlete, uh, Bob Beeman. Bob Beeman was a, just a relative long shot in, in the 1968 Olympic Games uh, uh, in the long jump. In fact, he, he almost uh, fouled out in the preliminary rounds. And so, um, but somehow he made it into the final. And listen, he not only got the gold, but he shattered the world record by some two feet. Uh, we have an image of it. And, and listen, he jumped so far, he outjumped the measuring device. They had to get out an old school measuring tape just to figure out how far this man jumped. And you're like, what, what, what was the switch from almost following out in the preliminary round to shattering the world record? And I'm going to tell you what it is. It's because his teammate, Ralph Boston, uh, in the preliminary round, pulled Bob Beeman aside. And I, I want to read for you what he said to him. He says, take off early. You have room to spare. Give him two inches on the front of the jump and you'll take two feet when you land. He says, your legs have never been as strong as they are right now. At this moment, your body weighs nothing. Your mind has wings. Use them to fly up and to fly out. And it's on, man, man, just the, the weight of that encouragement was the very thing that launched Bob Beeman into a world record. And you know, it's the same for you and I. That, that as we encourage one another, to, uh, as long as it's called today, what happens? It's God's recipe to have his, his church and his people to soar in life. Listen, I, I've been doing this long enough till I can recognize certain things in my soul. And, and uh, as a point of transparency, like I'm not always happy, clappy pastor, you know. Uh, there's been certain times in my life where I've been, been melancholy, had maybe a low-grade depression. But see, I've done this long enough to realize, oh, when I'm starting to feel down, I need to get my eyes up onto other people and encourage other people. It is the secret. And so when I feel melancholy and low, I just start texting anybody that God puts to my mind. And I'm just encouraging them. God loves you. God has a great plan for your life. Man, you are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And you know what's crazy? When I'm done sending all those texts, I feel better. And then I've blessed them. They get blessed by their text. And then they wind up encouraging me back. Did you get this? Man, it just starts building and building and building. Everybody wins in this, in this scenario except for the devil, right? It is God's plan. And so who are two people you're going to encourage today? Um, uh, you know, the, the, the Apostle Paul, he had a very, very difficult life. Like if you read about uh, his, his journeys, like he was shipwrecked beaten on several occasions. He was stoned to death. He was in prison. He, he went hungry and without food during seasons. And so during this difficult, troubled life, do you know that Paul made it a point? He always traveled with two people. Uh, number one was Luke, a physician. How many know that's good to have a doctor with you when you're getting stoned to death and things like that? But the second person was a man by the name of Joseph. Uh, Joseph, they actually gave him a nickname, uh, and it's this, Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encouragement. Like, like Paul, he had opportunity to get down and depressed and low. But what he knew, I'm going to travel with my man Joseph, the son of encouragement. Because even the apostle Paul needed encouragement to be given strength. 
And I think if you look at the world around us right now, man, people are tired and weary and beat up. And here's the great news. You can be the one to encourage them and to give them strength. Get this, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 50 verse 4, it says this, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I might know how to, now get this, how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Like, like because you're filled with the spirit of God and the word of God, now you have the skill and the ability to give a word of encouragement to sustain a weary soul. Let me share the story of the 1959 uh, heavyweight champion of the world was a man by the name of uh, Floyd Patterson. And Floyd was going to defend his heavyweight belt against a man by the name of Ingemar Johansson. Uh, I don't know how you could be a tough boxer with the name Ingemar, but that's neither here nor there. And uh, But listen, Floyd uh, Patterson, he took Ingemar lightly. He didn't train hard. He was undisciplined. In fact, he went into the fight and it went horribly for Floyd Patterson. Uh, uh, in fact, he would be knocked down seven times and eventually he would lose his heavyweight belt. And, and afterwards, he, he not only hit the mat um, during the fight, but after the fight, he remained on the mat. Like his life was spiraling downward, uh, uh, depression. He, there was all this sense of shame and regret over his life until he received a letter in the mail from a man by the name of Archie Moore. He was the former heavyweight champion who Floyd Patterson had beat to take the heavyweight championship of the world. And Archie Moore wrote to him. He's like, he's like, man, I know exactly what you're going through right now. Regret, shame. He says, but I want to tell you this. You can win this fight. You can be the first man ever to regain the heavyweight title. He says, you just need to adjust your jab. He says, get that discipline. Man, that eye of the tiger back again. And sure enough, Floyd Patterson, on those words of encouragement, uh, he got a rematch against uh, uh, Ingemar Johansson, and he knocked him out in the fifth round. In fact, he knocked him out so hard, it took him five minutes to resuscitate Ingemar Johansson, right? And so that's the power uh, of encouragement. And so I don't know, but the people around you, man, there are people that God has sent you into their life to be that source of strength and encouragement. Man, uh, the Floyd Patterson regained the heavyweight championship by, by a simple letter. What would happen, man, if you could have two people each and every day, man, I'm going to send a text, I'm going to send a voicemail, I'm going to call, I'm going to send a letter, right? Whatever it may be, who are two people that you can encourage and give strength. And so, right, so there's three things you're thankful for, two people you're going to encourage, and lastly, who's one lost person you can pray for. One lost person you can pray for. Let me read to you Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Um, I believe this is Jesus' mission statement. You ready for it? For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Like that's Jesus' mission statement, and it should be ours as well. Um, uh, do you know that, that actually in, in gospel, the Gospel of Luke, that in Luke chapter 15, that Jesus commits an entire chapter of the Bible to talk about lost things? Like, like a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Why? Because lost, the lost are va uh, valuable and extremely important to Jesus, and they should be to you and me. So let me tell you the story of the lost dog, okay? <laughs> We're dog people at Every Nation New Jersey, okay? But we can be reconciled uh, to cat people. And so uh, 
Um, when when my, my first golden retriever, Sammy, uh, he, he died. He went home to be with the Lord because all dogs go to heaven. And, uh, and so uh, Sammy, he died. But my, my two uh, young daughters were beside themselves. Sammy's dead, all that. And so do you know how to, how to heal a child's broken heart? You let them know they can get a new puppy. <laughs> and so my two girls were fired up. And so my, my oldest daughter, she picks out a, a golden retriever. I'm not going to lie. It was like a purebred, like cost us some coin. And so I was going to cut my losses uh, with, with my youngest. And because she just wanted a little dog she could hold. And and so uh, we, we went to the ASPCA, you know, and looking at these shelters, everything was part pit bull, man. So I just didn't think that was a good idea. But, but we stumbled into a, a pet shop and it was there. We shot, saw the cutest uh, brown cocker spaniel. You know, I think we have a picture of him. Uh, he would be named Oreo. Uh, uh, I, I thought, oh, this is perfect, man. Everybody's happy. We'll, we'll get this dog from the pet shop. Until I found out the animal cost $800. Well, I'm like, you can put that animal right back again. But unfortunately, uh, my daughters uh, and my wife, who was supposed to be my helpmate, abandoned me. And uh, they all turned on me and they all started crying. So I had to get the dumb dog. And so that dog, Oreo, has been a, a thorn in my side throughout my life, right? And and so um, I wasn't a fan of Oreo, uh, but the the Golden Retriever Dakota, he was mine, right? He was he was my guy. But so I, I say that to say this one time, uh, it, it was it was snowing out, and so I let the dogs out in our yard, and uh, I let the Golden Retriever in, but I forgot that Oreo, the Cocker Spaniel, was still outside. And so I went back to my desk. I was doing work for quite some time, and then it dawned on me. I'm like, hey, did I let Oreo in? And so I go out and I, I, I can't find the dog. I'm running through the neighborhood. You know how ridiculous you look? Oreo, Oreo. Like the people are like, who's this whack job, you know? And <laughs> so couldn't find the dog. Come back. My, my wife is furious at me and my daughters are distraught. Uh, but by the grace of God, and I still to this day don't know how this happened. I got a call from the police department. They said, sir, did you lose a dog? I'm like, well, yes, I did. They're like, here's the address, and here's where the dog is. I'm like, how they got that, I have no idea. So I, I drive over to the address, and I knock on the door, and or they open the door, and Oreo comes to the door. I kid you not, he's got a bow on his head. They had bathed him and powdered it. It was like he went to the doggy spa. Then I look in the background, and the family that, that saved Oreo, they, they, they had four Lhasa Apsas, these, these little girl dogs right there. It was like Oreo was at the Playboy Mansion, right? He's little Hugh Hefner uh, in that time. And so uh, we, I get the dog, I bring him back home, and my daughters and my wife freak out. And I tell that long, ridiculous story to let you know that's what heaven's like. When one lost person comes to Jesus, and heaven blows up, and rejoices at, at one lost soul, right? And so who's one person, one lost person in your world that you can pray for? So uh, I mentioned earlier that, that I've been reading through the book of Revelation, and man, there was this passage that, that just blew me away, like devastated me uh, this past week. And uh, b- before I tell it, I, I just need to, I'll tee it up this way is, you know, my, my uh, youngest daughter, Elizabeth, now she's, she's grown and she's a, a vet technician. So she works with animals, uh, and, um, and, and the unfortunate part of her job is sometimes she has to put a dog to sleep. And, uh, and so the, the vets, what they have to do, if they, they have to really cover all their bases, so they, they sign all these release forms. The owner of the dog has to sign all these releases. And so this woman has to go put her dog down. And so she signs all the releases, and she's sure everything's confirmed. And so they go in the back room, and my daughter administers uh, whatever it is that, that you put the dog down. And then as the dog's slowly you know, going off to heaven, uh, she's just the lady freaks out. And she's like, stop, stop. She says, reverse it, reverse it. <laughs> and, and my daughter's like, 
like, uh, you know, it doesn't work that way, right? And, um, and, and I say that to say this, is do you know that, that death is final? Like, you can't reverse it. And I want to tell you this, man, eternity is long and hell is real. You know, hell isn't just eternal suffering. Do you know what it is? It's, it's as well this eternal sense of loss, of everything that was good and right in your life. And now I'll bring you to this text in Revelation that so moved me. It says this, Revelation chapter 18, verses 22 to 23. This, this is giving a scene of what it will be like uh, in eternal hell. He says, the music of the harpist and the musicians and the pipers and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will never be heard in you again. It's like this, like, like, have you ever had just sweet music, man, that you enjoyed and it soothed your soul? It brought joy to your heart? He says that, that will never, ever happen again. He says that mentions the millstone, which you use to bake bread and, and food, and you've ever had just a great meal with great friends, and he says that will never, ever happen again. He talks about, man, the light will never shine, but you can just know eternal darkness and depression. He says this, that you'll never hear the voice of the bridegroom, like you will never hear the sweet, soothing voice of Jesus in that scene. And when I heard that, it was devastating to me. And so who's one person uh, in your world that you can pray for? Can I encourage you with this? Like the power of praying for one lost individual. So there's a, uh, in a mid-1800s, uh, there's a guy by the name of D.L. Moody. He was a great evangelist and teacher. And, and so D.L. Moody had uh, uh, a prayer list of a hundred lost souls uh, that, were, that were his friends, his acquaintances, and he committed to pray for these people every day, a hundred people. And, um, and get this, uh, by the time D.L. Moody had died, 96 of those people had come to Christ. The remaining four showed up at D.L. Moody's uh, memorial service. And the memorial service was so powerful and so moving that the remaining four, they gave their life to Jesus. That is the power of praying for the lost. Who is one individual in your world, one lost soul that you can pray for? Three, two, one, pray. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. We thank you for this time. And Lord, I just want to pray for each and every one, Lord, as they're entering in to the season of prayer and fasting. Lord, I pray that God, that you would speak to them. Lord, I pray that there would be a, just a crisp, clear, new vision over their life. And God, may 2023 uh, be an amazing year where we know you better, God, and we, we uh, love people deeper. Lord, I thank you for that and believe you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, amen, amen. Well, listen, every nation, we're, we're, the sermon's done, but we're not quite finished. I'd like to remind you that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving. Tithe simply means a tenth. And we believe the first uh, of everything that comes in, the first tenth, we give back to Jesus as a form of worship and honoring him. And so uh, you can be uh, faithful uh, digitally in your tithe and your offering. Uh, by You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Or you can give via text. My, my family and I give this way. It's, it's super convenient. If you just uh, text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977, 
Uh, or lastly, you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you as you're faithful uh, in your tithe and your offering. Every nation, Jesus loves you. And I believe you're heading into the greatest year of your life. In Jesus' name, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.